0: the Scriptures from Psalm 84, so invite your reverent attention and hearing and faith the Word of God from Psalm 84. To the choir master, according to the Gittite, a psalm of the sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise, Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our shield, O God, Uh, there is an uh, old uh,
1: saw that essentially states that absence makes uh, the heart grow fonder. Uh, and we, we see just that aphorism here uh, in uh, Psalm 84. Uh, because he longs to see God in time. And for all of us, uh, as well, uh, who long to see God in eternity, this psalm uh, was penned. It's a psalm essentially about a pilgrimage, a journey, uh, to recover uh, the loss of the presence of God, uh, and of course, correspondingly, service to God. Of course, you and I know that God is uh, omnipresent, that we can never be outside of His presence, but there are those particular locations where He intensifies His presence, much like today in the hearing of the Word and the sacrament of the Lord's table. In the case of the psalmist, it was be present at Tabernacle. He is absent, and that's why he writes uh, this psalm. Uh, in verses one to four, uh, our pilgrim expresses his great desire to be with God at a uh, festival. By festival, one of the great pilgrim feasts, uh, which the Israelites uh, were commanded to attend. Three of them every year. As well, our psalmist is a member of the choir, and he is absent his place at the tabernacle for, again, as I suggested, an impending festival. He cannot be there. The reason, we, we do not know. What we do know is that He is not there and He longs to be there. So the separation from this uh, intensity of the presence of God is a source of profound anguish of soul. Really, it has application in our own lives when we're vacant the place where God shows up in word and in sacrament. Our anguish should parallel uh, the sadness of uh, the psalmist. Uh, it grips him. And he writes uh, in, in verse... Uh, uh, really verse 1 in the Hebrew Bible... Uh, of the loveliness of uh, God's presence in the tabernacle. Uh, and the sense of the loveliness is that uh, he can't be there, but his beloved is there. And so it sparks again this uh, profound anguish of his soul. Oh, to be there, he is really saying. Uh, The new American standard is uh, thy dwelling places. But again, in the Hebrew Bible, it's, it can also be translated uh, your tabernacle. Uh, in the tabernacle, God intensifies his presence. He has a geographic place where his people are commanded to uh, meet with him. And the psalmist cannot be there. And uh, his His heart is uh, gripped with uh, with sadness. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And that that really is something of the essence of our psalm. He addresses the only one who can really cure his problem, and that is the Lord of hosts. Uh, It's interesting, uh, this uh, acclamation of God, Lord of hosts, is used four times in this uh, very short psalm. In fact, it begins the psalm and it ends the psalm. So the entirety of the intervening verses is to the one who can fix whatever it is that uh, has caused his absence from the tabernacle. That theology defines him. Uh, Theology should define us. Who God is. Word of hosts. Uh, It's really the reminder for us that God is the supreme commander of Everything. Uh, it suggests to me that our choir member perhaps is in harm's way. So he calls upon the supreme commander to help him. His sense of loss is emotional and powerful. Uh, and we see it again uh, in his uh, uh, acclamation of uh, the loveliness of the tabernacle. Uh, this is used in uh, uh, Psalm 45, 45, uh, uh, which was a song of love, uh, celebrating the marriage of the king he 's writing about his love he 's writing about really his beloved, the one whom he will take as his wife, uh, that that emotion uh, here is part of our psalmist it 's easy to gloss over that. Uh, think you know for those of you, for example, who, uh, who have a spouse uh, who are married. Uh, That day, whenever it was. A day of profound emotion. uh, A day of profound joy. Our psalmist does not have that. And he is writing of his sadness at the loss. The geographic location. In our case, really the church. Defining, in the words of the emotion of the psalmist, what it means to be absent. Uh, well, our psalmist, like the king of Psalm 45, is in love and he longs for the courtyard of his beloved. Again, courtyards of the tabernacle. The longing, very interestingly, is used of a lion in Psalm 1712 who is most eager to catch his prey. He's longing. Uh, occasionally, uh, I go with my, uh, my wife, uh, walking the dog. I'm not so sure that he's not walking us, but uh, in my neighborhood, there are just a cajillion rabbits and squirrels, and uh, the dog is a hunting dog. He, he begins on point, and then he begins to, uh, uh, to uh, try to engage the prey, and he longs to catch that rabbit. I'm not so sure what he'd do with it, but I have my deep suspicions. Uh, that's the longing of the psalmist. Uh, he is fixed upon the place uh, where he is unable to be. So he cries out. He says, I, I cry out. Uh, he in the New American Standard uh, yearn for the courts of the Lord. He cries out. Uh, you can sense the emotion. Perhaps there's been times in your life where. You hear some bad news and you cry out because of what that news means. That's what our psalmist is doing. A profound, uh, gripping emotion that uh, exhausts him. A a simile captures the sentiment. Uh, If you look at verse 3, a bird has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself. Where she may lay her young. A bird has a nest that is its natural habitat that it repeatedly returns to. Particularly if there are young that are there. Uh, the mother builds the nest and uh, lays her eggs and they are birthed and uh, she repeatedly returns to that nest. Uh, and so you and I are to return repeatedly to the altars of God as is captured in the metaphor from nature, the simile from nature, uh, the comparison from nature. I mean, we've all seen the nature stories of the, the bird, the, the penguin, or whatever, lovingly caring for its uh, the egg or its, its young, protecting ready to die, uh, putting itself in the way of danger. That's something of the emotion of the psalmist uh, because he wants to be in the choir and to fulfill his, uh, his duty in the worship and service to God in song. And he envies those who, who live there. He envies those who are present. He cannot be. Uh, envy traditionally is... Uh, not something we should engage in, but in this case, it's entirely uh, proper. Uh, envies those who live there, a reference to the choir and perhaps uh, the priest whose name has come up on the duty roster to be in particular places in the tabernacle. And so they are there in a permanent sense, uh, even though it's temporary. Imagine envying your nature because they can go to church, your, your neighbor because they can be in church, but for whatever reason,
0: uh,
1: you, you cannot be. Uh, because they are blessed and happy, he says, ever praising God and fulfilling the desired end for which they were created. That Essentially, we come to worship uh, the one true God the most profound event of all time. No, it's not a cabinet meeting in the White House. No, it's not fixing the trade problems which will perhaps enliven the Dow Jones Industrial Average. The worship of the true God in a public setting in the case of our psalmist, one of the great pilgrim feasts, uh, he, uh, he is focused, he is determined. Uh, I'm reminded of Psalm 42.1, it's the deer pants for the water brooks. The psalmist says, so my soul pant for thee. As if uh, the worship of God is like water for a thirsty soul, the essence of life. Is it a way to think about church? Perhaps. I think the psalmist would say the uh, infirmative, Oh, to be there when I can't be because of, again, illness, work, a tragedy. There is no historic occasion in the psalm that tells us only that he is absent. And uh, he is profoundly saddened. Well... Uh, cannot be there, obviously, so it engages uh, uh, what is necessary uh, to get there, and that is a journey. Uh, there's a destination, and every destination implies a journey, every destination. Uh, I sometimes think in the Christian faith, we don't think in those terms. We all talk about the destination. Uh, we're 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 going to heaven we're going to to go to heaven we're going to die and go to heaven that's the destination in the psalmist's case is to be at tabernacle but uh, in our case is to be at heaven Uh, but you cannot forget about the journey because there is no destination apart from a journey Uh, you you have uh, the wrong understanding of the Christian faith because you must engage a proper journey. Uh, most every religion has a Valhalla, a place where you go when you die. Uh, you know, the Vikings, they died, they went to Valhalla. Whatever. Because they had the, had the wrong journey. you are not going to get the Valhalla absent uh, uh, the journey described for us in scriptures. Uh, it's radical. We, we think of the destination, but you must think in like manner of the journey. Because you vacate the journey, you will never achieve the destination. Our psalmist is telling us that. And uh, he speaks about his journey in verses 5-7. to seven. God's going to bless the pilgrim in his journey to his destination. As he ponders the return, he says, "Blesses is the man whose strength is in you. In other words, God will give him strength in the journey. Sometimes journeys are very, very arduous, troublesome times, imply difficulty. Uh, uh, In the Christian journey, it implies persecution and suffering. But God is the strength. Uh, The word uh, strength is derived from that of a stronghold or fortress, that God is impregnable and invincible. It is almost as if the impregnable fortress that God is, is following Him in a mobile sense in His journey. Generally, fortresses are not mobile. They're fixed. But uh, God is uh, movable uh, following His psalmist in the journey. And the the psalmist is pledging that God is His strength in whatever difficulty uh, He is confronting. Uh, And then in a very profound A profound way he describes the journey for uh, for you and me as Christians. Uh, If you look at verse 5, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Uh, It's a reference, of course, to the way back to God. And that pilgrimage captures his heart. The pilgrimage is in his heart. His heart is driving him. Uh, It means that he's not going to forsake the journey. He's not going to give up. Because uh, the highway is in his heart. And that's what's driving him. And his heart wishes to be at the place of worship. Uh, where God tells him to be, for whatever reason he's absent, uh, the highways are driving him to press onward to the journey, because the pilgrimage captures his heart. Heaven captures all of our hearts. What about the pilgrimage? What about the journey? It has the psalmist. It should have us. It should own us. Uh, I know that the destination does. I've never talked to a Christian who doesn't, uh, at some point, if the discussion is lengthy or the fellowship intimate that you speak of heaven, our psalmist is speaking of the journey. That You cannot have the one without the other. If you value the end, you will value the journey because the two go together. And the journey is at times arduous, Verse six, he speaks of passing through the valley of Baca. This could be a reference to weeping. On occasion, we shed tears because the journey is difficult. Uh, I certainly remind our young people. Uh, I remind you because uh, it's, it is not an easy journey to be a Christian. Uh, and you will shed your tears. Uh, if you don't, I would suspect you're on, the wrong, you're on the wrong path. Simply the nature of it. Our Savior tells us this in an exemplary way in His own sufferings. But it passes to us as His sons, as sons of God. Uh, but I take it as a reference to a tree that thrives in dry places. That's a very beautiful picture to me. Uh, I have this place in my, uh, my yard, and most of you all know I'm not much into yard work. Uh, I, I would semen it all over, but uh, divine forces have prevented me. Uh, but there is a, because of, I, I live at the bottom of a hill, and water likes to run downhill, and it seemingly all collects in my yard. And there are some trees that uh, cannot take uh, excessive water. They die. Uh, and uh, I, I'm always losing tree in this particular place and finally figured it out. Not very smart when it comes to yard work, or a lot of types of work to be sure, but certainly yard work, and need a tree that can survive a lot of water. But in this case, it's a tree that can survive very dry places. And that is really the Christian life. Uh, because sometimes the, va- the valley that we enter is absent. Uh, but God acclimatizes us uh, to, the, uh, to the valley uh, so that we can survive whatever the circumstance of the journey. Uh, he makes us living, uh, even in the dry place. And yet He also makes uh, time for rain to be a blessing. Uh, and so we go from strength to strength. And God enables us... Uh, until we arrive at the desired destination. Uh, And then the psalmist does what we do in our Christian faith. He prays, verses 8 to 12. When you want, you pray. Our psalmist wants, and so he prays. And he asks God to be favorable to him. Uh, And uh, the reason for the urgency of his prayers and the comparative sense of worth and the value that the psalmist gives the presence of God. Here he speaks to us in a very direct way. A day in your courts is better than a thousand. One day is better than a thousand. The Hebrew Bible doesn't add the comparative. The Targum does. Better than a thousand days of exile or absence. You ever think in those terms going to church? Just one day would be better than a thousand. He's therefore excluding the relative goodness of every other day when compared to the one day in the presence of God. Incredible. Secondly, I choose to stand at the threshold of the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Uh, The threshold, the place of entry. He says it's better to be at the threshold than to be in the tents of wickedness. Even if you can't cross the threshold, it would be better than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. God's tent is so much better, for the way of the wicked will perish. And God will bless His prayer with favor and glory. He will not withhold him what he needs. Uh, and he closes with the blessing of the man who trusts in God in the, in the journey. That every day of the journey is a day of trust. You, you, you cannot ever, you will never graduate where you can vacate trust in your life from looking to the Lord. Uh, there, is, there is an ecclesiology here, I'm convinced. Because the interplay between tabernacle in the localization of the presence of God in word and in sacrament. Absence should make the heart grow fonder. But it's just as important to recognize that uh, the journey, the journey is, is important to the destination. Uh, you cannot have one without the other. If you value the destination, and I know you do, then you will profoundly value the journeying to get there. And never kid yourself. Or let others kid you that you can have the destination and vacate the journey. It will not be so. I'm not unmindful that there are rare exceptions to that in Scripture. Uh, But the norm is Psalm 84. Uh, Our our psalm is also an eschatology and and a sense of psychology. Uh, Oh, for the day to be in heaven. Uh, we desire heaven and glory. Our hearts yearn for the day in which sin and its effects are eradicated and we are ushered into eternity. Uh, no greater illustration of this than the Apostle Paul. I press on towards the goal of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. He's forgetting the past and striving to be in heaven. It's Because of who is there? Christ. And what is there? Glory Unimaginable. And Paul would give up all his days for that one day of resurrection and presence. He tells us that. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Death is incredible gain for the Christian. Oh, to be there. But being there engages the journeying there. And that is Psalm 84 for us. When Ephraim McBriar, one of the great Scottish covenanters, was sentenced to death for his faith, Uh, He said, uh, now I begin my intercourse with God. Farewell, world, and all of its delights. Welcome, sweet Lord Jesus. Welcome, glory. Welcome, death. He had the destination because he he journeyed, according to Psalm 84. And that pilgrimage uh, is radically important. If the destination owns us, then the journey must own us as well. And this morning we are reminded of, uh, of the majesty of, uh, of the journey that we enter dry seasons in our life. Uh, and yet, uh, God, is, uh, God is present. And in our case this morning, in the sacrament of the Lord's table, that there is an intensity of the presence of God, the spiritual presence in the sacraments. Not... Uh, not in uh, uh, a real sense, but in a mystical sense by faith as we apprehend the benefits and the death and resurrection of our Savior. Uh, Paul, uh, referencing the sacrament, uses the word uh, fellowship. Uh, we, we fellowship with Christ. Uh, he is in heaven, but his spirit is present. And we fellowship with him in the power of the Spirit. Uh, And so, that in and of itself is a driving force uh, to be in the place where the Lord God localizes his presence. Uh, Think about it in terms of Psalm 84. Uh, The profound sense of loss expressed by the psalmist because he can't be there. The profound sense of loss that you and I ought to experience when we cannot be there. The fellowship with the Spirit in a way that He has so defined is incredibly important in the hearing of the Word and then in our church, the sacrament of the Lord's table where we fellowship with the living Spirit of Jesus Christ. A biblical warrant for uh, this event is, uh, while there are many, I will only only look at one, Gospel of John, uh, captured in the metaphorical language of eating, and and the language of John chapter 6 is very loud language. It, it, it's like the messy, loud language of an infant uh, trying to cram it all in with great gusto. And so it should be for us. Uh, John chapter 6, verses 53 to 58. In the previous text, the Lord has told us that he is, he is the manna which has come down out of heaven. Uh, the allusion there, of course, uh, radically to the Old Testament, the Exodus. They were moving, they were hungry, and God gave them bread. Without bread, they would have perished. Without the sacrament, spiritually, we will begin to wither and dry up. We we will not perish, but at some point, the journeying will engage us if we truly belong to the destination. Jesus therefore said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in yourself. Obviously for us, it's, it's a faith event. There is nothing at all of intrinsic value to the bread and the wine. The value comes in faith and apprehending of, uh, of what Jesus tells us it symbolizes in fellowshipping with Him. He who eats My flesh and drinks My blood has eternal life, and I will raise Him up in the last day. For My flesh is true food, and My blood is true drink. And He who eats My flesh and drinks My blood abides in Me and I in Him. As the living Father sent Me, I live because of the Father. As He who eats Me, He also shall live because of Me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died, he who eats this bread shall live forever. In other words, the manna in the wilderness has its ultimate, true, greater, intense fulfillment in apprehending by faith the benefits of Jesus Christ. Symbolized for us this morning in the bread and the wine. Powerful, powerful reason to engage journeying because of the destination that our Savior has described for us in eternity. The destination of living forever. But the journeying of eating and drinking is flesh and is blood. That our hearts uh, should beat for that. Grace Bible Church, as you know, it's an open communion. If you know the Savior, uh, then you are invited to partake with us. Uh, But we do prepare our hearts as uh, Jay led us, a beautiful time of confession of sin. Uh, We we come having confessed our sin. We come having agreed with God. Uh, We confess because He has cleansed us, because He has forgiven us. And so we come in like manner to the Lord's table. As, uh, as I break the bread, I, I, I ask you to, in the silence of your own heart, to uh, give thanks that on this day you are journeying and the living Savior has come to meet you by his Spirit. Uh, spiritually, we are all hungry, uh, we're in that valley the Valley of Baca. And yet God comes to meet us at the point of our every need and to remind us of his goodness. Remind us that he is with us in the journey. The impregnable, invincible fortress is with us. If you need to get something right with God, be about it. If not, Just simply let the elements pass you by. Because we must uh, discern the body of the Lord properly. Uh, But but at some point, uh, as the bread is being passed, uh, uh, give thanks. Uh, Because you deserve none of the grace of the Lord Jesus. Uh, But because of His love for you, he, He gives you His grace. In a totally undeserving way. You must reckon that. There was nothing intrinsically within you or about you uh, that caused him to come. Uh, but the will of his Father in heaven who chose us before the foundation of the world. Incredible love that you should give thanks for. That we should revel over. Uh, because in all of our brokenness, sadness, the things that are wrong, uh, the the incredible love of the fortress of God has come upon us in sovereign grace. Uh, after which time all are served, I will give thanks. We will, we will eat together as the body of Christ, uh, as the pilgrims in the wilderness. Uh, we will exhibit to the world that we are, we are journeying. We are on the pilgrimage because we value the destination. And uh, may, may God in His uh, grace... Uh, Bless uh, each of us as we, uh, as we eat, apprehending uh, all that the body of Christ uh, is to us.